0: Welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net Now today I want to talk to you um, about sowing and reaping and building a legacy I know it's a very catchy title Sowing and reaping and building a legacy Chat GBT and I spent hours on that title um, So two main thoughts and they're connected uh, Bible says, uh, let's start with Galatians 6 verse 7 Here's a principle, a law that God has put into the world And you've probably seen it going on um, some people call it karma. And that's another way of looking at it. Uh, but here it is, the law of sowing and reaping. Galatians 6 verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man or woman reaps what he sows. And as I said, you may have seen this. We, we, we've we all got seeds to sow in every part of our life. Everything we have, every resource is, is potentially something you can sow. You can you know, use your words, your, your attitudes, your behaviour, the the use of our gifts, how we use our time, uh, what we do with our money and material possessions, of course. Everything that comes into our hands or that's in our life, it's all seed. And And if you're a smart person, like a smart farmer, then you're going to take some of that seed and you're going to sow it. You're going, to, you're going to be careful how you use your seed. And you see this going on in all different aspects of life where you can see this principle, the way people live, the way people sow is what they reap, the way they end up with you know, results in their life. With attitudes, you can see grumpy people always finding something to complain about and having a miserable life at its most extreme. And then you think, well, what, what came first? Are they whinging because they've really got a lot to whinge about or is the, the, the problems they've got in their life a result of what their attitude is of complaining? And it's a cycle and it's hard to know which started first, but often their life isn't that great. But is it really just the way it is and now they're complaining or is it a result of their complaining? And they're just looking at the glass half empty and it's cracked and dirty and, you know, and they're just talking about it and then they're always finding something that they focus on that's miserable and makes them miserable. And then conversely, you can get someone in very similar circumstances who's full of life, buoyant, joyful, positive, happy, and their attitude is very much one of gratitude. And they're like, oh, life's great. I'm so appreciative of this. I'm thankful for that. And this person, da, da, da. and their life's blessed. And and sometimes the circumstances are so similar, but they're like, my glass is half full. No, it's overflowing and it's awesome. And I got plenty to share and well, you know. And then over time, you'll often see the blessing that comes from that attitude, the, the reaping from the sowing really does make their life better. Maybe their circumstances do really change and improve. And so that's just... Something that you probably observed, and of course, um, and of course, now finances. You know, because we're thinking not solely, but but today with the theme of our Vision Builders Fund, uh, thinking in terms of sowing and you know giving with our finances. Um, we all have the opportunity to sow finances, giving with faith, with care, with wisdom. Um, some of what comes into our hand. Um, and the result is a harvest. You know, uh, again, not just with money, but when you give, the recipients are blessed. Like, like Naomi gave me a letter this morning, and at school they had a project that said, write a letter of thankfulness, kindness, or something. Write a letter to someone. Well, she chose me, and I just had a quick look before the start of the service. I had to put it away. <laughs> because it's just so beautiful and sweet. And, you know, this beautiful young girl who spent a whole life growing up in our church, uh, just writing a, a letter of gratitude. And uh, she didn't have to do that, but she does. And boy, the recipient is blessed. You're yeah. giving a bit of time and effort. Uh, and, uh, you know, that you see, again, that in all different ways, people are, obviously you're blessed. And if you're giving finances, well, the, the church, the organisation, the, the individual... They're they're getting a harvest, they're blessed, but also the giver practising, following the principle that is here gets blessed. The, The sower ends up getting a harvest back and we don't always understand how that happens. But if you've been following the Lord and you live by these principles of generosity, then you would agree and you would have seen you know Eleanor referred to it when she's talking about the building fund in their life I was very uncomfortable when I discovered how much my own daughter and son-in-law were giving to the building fund of the church that I pastor <laughs> I didn't like it <laughs> on one hand I'm thinking oh good yes help the church you know but but I thought ah they were both at university scratching around trying to make and then they told me or somehow I've I i do not nosey around and I don't tend to know much about the finances. I don't like to know. I don't know what people give and all that. But somehow I found out and I thought, oh, no, don't give the church. They only want your money. You know, uh, you know, uh, just haven't you read the papers? Uh. Turn on the telly. There'll be a doco every couple of nights. Yeah, churches. Yeah. So, and I'm the pastor, you know. And, of course, the churches don't. Watch. Isn't it funny, that, you know, the, the attitude, the suspicion that is in the world about people giving generally, but especially to churches, as if churches, unlike every other institution, have to somehow survive without any financial backing of any kind. There's no government funding and and you shouldn't give. So I don't know how, you know, <laughs> it's like you go to a, a restaurant, you have a nice meal, you don't just walk out and go, oh, thanks. You know, you, 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 there's a transaction and it's not like we actually we could charge an entry fee it's pretty good move. Oh, come on write that idea down of course you don't charge an entry fee it's just a free will offering the bible says don't give under compulsion we have, if you're visiting today yes we're talking about money end of financial year but come every Sunday for the next 20 years and then you'll know that we don't always talk about it um you know but anyway so what am I saying oh the the People are blessed because the the laws of sowing and reaping kick in, uh, and yes, these guys were very blessed, and and uh, God really moved on their giving, and they were able to you know buy a house, and it was a real God thing, and and how that panned out. Um, but as I said, our society is very suspicious of giving, not just to churches, but just in general because we're in a consumer world with. It promotes a consumer mindset. So it's very understandable that most people just consume everything they have. But it's seed, and you, you know, a, a farmer worthy salt is not going to eat all his seed. He's going to understand, well, there are laws in agricultural terms, in the agricultural world, where I'm going to sow that seed and I'm going to see the principles. And the process take its course. The natural laws of sowing and watering and waiting, and then harvesting, are going to come to fruition. And then they get a whole lot more than if they just consumed the seed. And God invites us to do the same with our finances. And again, the world's like, hang on to it. Just you know, don't 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 give anything away. And just there's a there's a mindset that the world encourages that's sort of in our base kind of instinct of selfishness is all, just keep it, keep it. And there's all this, you know, basically little golems going around the world, precious, hang on, to do it, don't give it away. You know, it's mine, it's mine, you know. And that's sad. And, and you can live like that, but you're, you're missing out on living at a higher level, a better level that God invites us to. And, uh, and that level involves the, the, a mindset shift where we're saying, it's not really mine, I'm not here forever. It's come into my hands, but it's kind of ultimately God's and I'm just a caretaker or a steward. That's why we talk, you know, you hear people from the Bible talking about stewardship and Jesus told parables about being a steward, someone looking after what is essentially someone else's. And everything that comes into your hands, you can't take it with you, as they say. We're just really given a season Not even our whole life sometimes, but even if you hang on to it, you can't take it with you. You lose it eventually. So we're just smarter thinking, well, what what can I do with this that honours God and blesses people and ultimately blesses me? And there's more blessing in our lives when we're involved in giving. Jesus promised that. It's more blessed to give than to receive. There's material blessing, but there's also a sense of Reward and accomplishment and satisfaction in life by being a, a, you know, a generous person, but sadly, as I said, some people they're not just eating their seed and consuming and keeping it for themselves. Some people are just literally throwing it away. They're not even keeping it for themselves. And what I mean by that is uh, gambling. Uh, and let me just have a little rant about this, and I trust that you know that. This is an insidious thing in our society that we really want to pray against and encourage people not to get caught up with. Do you realise that Australia is the number one gambling country in the world? Like, like that, that's, that's shocking and it shouldn't be like that. Uh, we lose more money per capita than any other country in the world. Twice as much as America. Yeah, forget Las Vegas it's going on in the suburbs right near us. Just local pubs, clubs, pokey machines. We've got 40% of the world's poker machines just in New South Wales. Yeah, it's incredible. We lose $25 billion a year. That's about $1,000 per person, including the babies and the non-gamblers. So there's a lot of people losing money. And, uh, and, it's, and it's not just the oldies. You know, the old blokes going down to the TAB, putting a couple of... Bob on the Gigi's, Tuesday night, the dogs, the trots, you know. I used to do the run down to my grandfather from the nursery, you know, down to the TB, TOB on a Saturday morning. There's UE in the background. You know, and he'd listen and, and he, and of course, so he made his pile, good luck to him, worked hard, built the nursery up and so then, what do you do when you've got a lot of money? You buy racehorses and throw it all down the drain. So, I think Sizzling Hot, Sizzling Hot was one of his horses. She won, uh, she won a race, one one race, um, placed in a couple. And then, then after that, she's this 15-hand, muscle-bound, gorgeous pet. And he would just drive the paddocks in his Jaguar with the bale of hay in the bag. He's a utilitarian guy, got the fancy jag, but still... Got to get the hay down to the horses. And the great big muscle-bound horses. I'm galloping up, and then just eat out of his hand, you know. And so that was the benefit of millions of dollars of investment, my inheritance. Anyway, praise the Lord. Um, <laughs> ah, let's not go there, Lord. Jehovah Jireh. What are we talking about? Yeah, so, <laughs> so that's what you do. Working class men get good, uh, you, get, you know, does well. And then they, uh, they, they buy race horses. Praise the Lord. Uh, so, um, Gambling. Oh. so it's not just the oldies. What I was going to say is, unfortunately, we've got a huge increase in young men gambling online because of their knowledge and passion of sports. They're clever, and they get you in, and it should be banned from the television. But it's there, right there tonight. The Rabbitohs. What do you think? Who's going to say? Tom Mitchell going to score the first try? Yeah, no, it get you. Oh, yeah, and all the young guys know their teams. Anyway, rant over. Don't gamble. Don't consume everything. Do sow and be a giver, yeah? And, but be wise, be careful how you give or how you sow or how you invest. This is where we need God's wisdom. So we pray, we pray for His blessing and His guidance over our financial dealings because you could end up like Mark and Brenda Voss, an American couple who bought a block of land in Florida Proceeded to build a big, beautiful three-storey house on it, costing $680,000 US, almost a million dollars Australian. And, uh, and yet six months later, they discovered they had built on the wrong block of land. <laughs> Glad you're feeling a real compassion for this poor couple. Uh, so who was at fault? What had gone wrong? Well, of course, the banks, the lawyers, the real estate agents involved, everybody denied any cap- culpability Of course, it's not their fault. And uh, meanwhile, the real owner of the land is cheering because he's got a new mansion sitting on his block of land. didn't cost him a cent. His block of land down the road is vacant. And he was tempted to just get his lawyers involved to secure the deal, sign it up and say, you know, no, we'll just fight to keep it that way. Fortunately, he was willing to swap the title deeds. And to say, all right, all right, I get it, you made a mistake, you can have my land, and you know, there's your house, and I'll have your land. However, the bank wouldn't settle on the deal because Mr. and Mrs. Voss had to get flood insurance on the land, but they didn't have the title deeds for the land, so you can't get flood insurance on land that you don't own. So it was a catch-22. Finally, after years of legally wrangling through the whole situation, they were able to swap the title deeds. The other landholder was very gracious. It only cost him $20,000. Um, but could have been a lot worse and it caused him a lot of grief. So I just came across that story and thought, that is a shocker and that can happen without the blessing of God, the covering, the, the touch of God. The, the, when you pray and commit your whole world and your finances in all areas you know, of your life, He'll direct your paths. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and in all, Help me finish that scripture. Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways of life, all your departments of living, you know, submit them and then He'll direct you if you submit, con- commit to Him. And so we've got to be wise. We work, we save and then we invest and we give. We sow if we're smart and generous and follow God's principles. So where do you sow? I'm glad you asked. There's plenty of good charities, plenty of good causes, plenty of good, you know, agencies fighting injustice or poverty, uh, diseases around the world. In fact, GoFundMe, I've given a number of times to individuals, you know, and they've got, in fact, I gave... To the GoFundMe for the poor woman That had the accident in Thailand Because it was around the same time That I had a similar accident Broke my realised Could have been a whole lot worse And she's up, you might have read Up the Hunter Valley area And fell into a coma, hit her head And the travel insurance company Had reasons why they didn't want to pay out So they're up for a hundred grand Well they've got a couple of hundred grand And I thought, yes, I will contribute Especially because of my situation I thought, oh, by the grace of God You know, but for the grace of God Could have been me Um so that's all good. You give it up all kinds of, you know, areas and individuals and that's great. But the single best place I believe you can sow into is the house of the Lord. Because it's it's always the right place. It's always the right time. And I would say, you know, Ruth and I, Ruth's out with the, the kids, or at least that's what she told me. I don't know. She's had me preach for a lot over the years. Maybe she's just... Did she actually go out with the kids or is she just having coffee with some? Oh, she, you know. Just checking. I thought, yeah, you never know. Um, but you know, we have given over the years to many different ministries, to ministers, to churches, to church programs, to building funds all over the world. And we've never regretted a cent of it. Absolutely. Just, you just, you know, you just know it's great soil to sow your seed into. Um, and it's it's the single best representation of what God is doing on earth to be able to give to His church and what His churches are doing. Um, it, it, you know, to, so that that local community wherever it may be carries on as a lighthouse of hope into that area. You know, to to shine the light of the gospel in a dark world where people need to discover. An answer for the stuff of life The issues that they're facing The problems that they're going through in the the world It's a house of worship that honours God That helps people connect with Him It's a a salvation station It's a place of... Of hope and healing and blessing and breakthrough and you know so much goes on, and you've hopefully experienced some of that in your journey in the church, whether it's this one or others, and hopefully this one, uh, and and that's what we're coming around today. Yeah, in this part of the world, we are hopefully shining a light, building a community that has vision from God for people, and uh, and so and this year in our sowing, right we're reminding ourselves that we are building a legacy, the theme that we have, which is the second principle that I want you to catch hold of today because the Bible is full of references to building a legacy. And I talked about this a few weeks ago and I want to revisit it again today, how truth and wisdom and blessing and revelation from God and anything we receive from God can be transferred from one generation to the next. And the Bible talks about this Let's have a look at a few verses Psalm 34 verse 11 Come my children Listen to me I will teach you the fear of the Lord And this is one generation Encouraging the next generation To understand the fear of the Lord And of course that's not a real popular concept these days The fear of God you know It sounds Sort of spooky and scary And old fashioned and religious and all that But it's a good Godly principle that you know God is not just your buddy chasing you around, wanting to hang out, and He's not a Santa Claus kind of figure that just sprinkles blessings on your life whenever you want them. You know, God is God, and uh, fear, of course, can be translated awe—not not scared of, but just a wonderful, deep reverence and respect for God. And every generation, God's got no grandchildren. Every generation's got to decide for themselves: I'm going to follow the Lord. But the preceding generation can encourage that decision by sharing what they've experienced. And in this case, the psalmist is saying, come on, kids, come here. I want you to listen to what I've had going on in my life so that you can discover how to follow God, have a sense of awe and respect for God. And and that's you know the the basis of a great life. And uh, and again, we see this, uh, look in the book of Proverbs. My son... Verse, sorry, uh, chapter three, verse one, Proverbs three, verse one. My son or my child, never forget the things I've taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you'll live many years, your life will be satisfying. Some versions say it'll prolong your life with peace and prosperity. If you listen up and my child, again, one generation saying, hey, listen. I'm trying to teach you stuff, and uh, and then you can decide whether you do with it. Store the commandments up in your heart. Decide to follow God. But of course, the the older generation, parents, you know, I just want to encourage you. Uh, don't be afraid in this society and day and age to say, "I know best." You know, we're very much into the individual. Children are encouraged to chart their course in life from a very young age. Teaching styles have changed. It used to be when I graduated back in nineteen eighty-three as a school teacher, we were still just coming out of that. Line them up, sit them down, tell them what it is. You know, that's the way it is. Kids, copy. Do you remember at school, teacher would just write for hours on the blackboard? Remember blackboards? I think I'm maybe the I think I might be the oldest teacher here, but but we had to do blackboard. Writing practice, because you don't want to be a screecher, you know the bad teacher. Ah, Sir, sure, please, you know. But the good teaching practice, we had to and Now, of course, they have got smart boards. You got to log in and all this stuff. It's crazy, but um, uh, you know. But we we would do blackboard writing, and of course, you'd sit there and you just write what the teacher said. It was like dispenser of information. Now it's all discovery learning, and that's great to a degree. But as parents, teachers, older generation, there's something to be said for do as you're told. Why? Because I said so, you know, or because I know best. Don't be afraid of telling your kids, this is for your good, do it this way. You know, you know stuff. Don't think that you're, oh well, kids, I don't know, you gotta discover your pathway. And who am I to say? No, you're their parent. You tell them, you know, and spiritual parents too grab all those young kids out there and start lecturing them after the service, line them up, get them a baby Chino and say, now listen here. Not quite, but you know what I'm saying. It is, God has given, uh, you know, older people are shoved off the TV screens these days You get a little grey hair, a wrinkle and bring in the new, you know, shiny, sexy, good looking young people. It's like something to be said for wisdom that we learn throughout our years, that we pass on, yeah? And so don't be afraid of passing that on. Psalm 44 verse 1. And let me say this also. It's not just oldies that get wise. The generational thing is happening all the time. I think I shared this some weeks ago, that you see even the the two and three-year-olds are looking up to the six and seven-year-olds. So the six and seven-year-olds, they're passing on stuff themselves in church life you see it older brothers older sisters in school little kids look at oh wow those big kids in year seven wow and they're like little 12 year old pipsqueaks but they're oh they're heroes and giants and wow and so all the time this principle is going on there's younger generations so you're building a legacy even if you're young yourself you don't have to be an old person to build a legacy yeah Psalm 44 verse 1 We've heard it with our ears, O oh God. Our ancestors have told us what you did in their day, in days long ago. See, so the people that had been before had told oral tradition, the stories what God had done. And now they're hearing it generations down the track of what God had done and then stirring the faith for each generation to go, yeah, God's done that. He can do it again. And so this is Again, a legacy and a heritage that has been passed down. And then uh, finally, this has been our key verse, Psalm 78, verse four and verse six, we will not hide these truths from our children. Psalm 78, verse four, you got it up there? I'll read it. Um, We will not hide these truths from our children we will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about His power and His mighty wonders. And Psalm 78 verse six says, So the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Isn't that awesome? That is powerful and wonderful what goes on. From people, godly people, discovering what God can do in their life, and they're not keeping it to themselves, but passing it on, sharing it, so the next generation and the generation after can cotton it on, cotton onto it themselves. That's and that value is all throughout the Bible. You read, you know, the passing through generation after generation of revelation and blessing and what God does, and and it's another form of giving, isn't it? rather than just keeping everything to ourselves, living for yourself, thinking, yeah, but what about the next generation? And, and of course, this makes our life all the richer, all the more productive and, and rewarding. But it's very easy not to live like this, to again be self-absorbed, to just think, no, 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 I just want to focus on my own achievements, my own goals, my own pursuits, my own happiness. But when... People live like that, they miss out on so much. You know, again, our consumer society, materialistic society, it's all about just accumulating everything for self, pursuing fame or riches or both. I, like, I read recently what Jim Carrey, the actor, said. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. So he's... You know, he's made it up the top of the pile. In fact, I think Paul McCartney said, I've been to the top, there's nothing there. You know, and so, and yet everyone has this little temptation, this little misconception that, oh, if I could just get a little bit more money, or if I could just get further up the corporate ladder, or if I could just get there, or move there, or have this, or change that circumstances, or trade in this person for a new wife or girlfriend, or, you know. So, we don't want to live like that. We want to build a legacy. Yeah, and we are doing that by giving, by looking at how we live throughout our lives. But again, it's sad to see how some people might start really well. They've like got so much to give, Ha! and that the legacy they leave is so sad at the end. People, and you see that in like again with Hollywood. You hope people like Jim Carrey have cottoned onto it uh, and how to maybe make some changes in their lifestyle. But sometimes you think some of the most gifted famous artists and actors and performers and how they started and then how they finished and the legacy was just so poor in the end like you know Marlon Brando and and Elvis Presley and Judy Garland and Amy Winehouse you know and and Kurt Cobain and the, you know the the list goes on and on like Michael Jackson you know all these talents and but on the flip side, you've got millions of people throughout history who are not at all famous, never heard of them, but they've left a great legacy just by the way they've lived, following the Lord, obeying the Lord, connected, committed to people, to God, to His house, serving, giving, just doing the simple things well, you know, and, uh, and, and loving people, loving God in just in the ordinary ways of life. And so building a legacy isn't necessarily glamorous or maybe exciting because it takes time and it can be quite normal, but it's awesome and it's worth it because it's all you eventually leave behind anyway. Yeah. And so when we're gone, hopefully we're going to leave something positive to those who follow and that we've been uh, putting into. And my final thought on this is that you see this in nature this concept of legacy even in nature because, you know, you've got plants, animals living for a while and then they die. But when they do, of course, they leave another generation. They replace themselves. And so our courtyard tree, you may have noticed, has had better days. He's effectively getting root-bound. And we've had the arborist come in and he said, there's nothing you can do. He's going to go... To where old, nice, flowering red gum trees go to, you know um, But he's had a good run But now he's, uh, yeah, effectively it's a big pot, that scenario um, And uh, But what you do notice is, you know, in its healthier early years It was flowering only in December, beautiful red blossoms But it flowers at odd times throughout the year In fact, even today there might be some red blossoms there out of season And the arborist told me that is nature's way of Building a legacy of producing the next generation because he says when the trees are stressed, they got John knows the fancy term. Joe's not here, but she knows the fancy term for the short sprouts of leaves that you see on the boughs and branches of the tree. But it also produces flower flowers out of season because the flowers have the seeds. So it's basically saying, "Oh, I'm going, I'm going, uh, but before I go, I'm leaving some flowers. There you go. There's the next generation. You know. So on his way out." He's passing on life. So even in death, there's life. There's seed being produced for the next generation. And you see that in nature. So yeah, we, he said, give it a go, see how it goes. And, uh, you know, just warning, I'm just breaking the news to you gently, church, you know, <sighs> that it might be, you know, the time will come when old flowering gum is flowers no more. Uh, And that's okay We'll plant another one Um, But not one of his seeds We'll get something else That doesn't get so root bound Just uh, You know But While we are still alive We are passing on values Blessings Wisdom Hopefully To our children To our grandchildren And And and, and and we see these two concepts combined when I talk about the tree. I think of the seed, time and harvest and also the passing on of a legacy. And uh, let me finish with one final verse. Beautiful, beautiful, powerful verse that you want to get a hold of. Psalm 102, verse 28. The children of your people, this is talking to God, the children of your people, Lord, will live in security. Their children's children Will thrive in your presence The children of your people will live in security And their children's children will thrive in your presence Wow And I would have to say that by the grace of God Ruth and I have seen that in our lives With our children We see our children's children thriving in the presence of God In the house of God And uh, that's come from a lot of sowing In prayer, sacrificial giving Serving, obeying, planting in the house of God and so, I encourage you to continue to sow. And always, it's not lineal, you know, blessing that we have ups and downs and people make their choices. So, it's not like this clean, simple guarantee that, you know, you just go to church and your future generations will all just be perfect. It's not, of course, like that. But there is this principle that plays into our lives when we sow and give and commit to build a legacy yeah, and believe for God's blessing to flow through us to the future generations. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father God, we thank you. You are our father, our father who is in heaven. We are your children here on earth. And so we love to be part of your family. We are your children, but also we have spiritual children and natural children. And so we want to just... We want to pass on whatever we receive. We freely receive. We want to freely give all that we know and understand about you, all the blessings that you've given to us, all the principles that we've learned to follow. We pray that the next generation and the future generations after them would follow in loving you, following you, serving you, loving your house, build your church, Lord Jesus, as you have promised, you said you'll build your church. The gates of hell won't even stand up against it. And you have done that over thousands of years now and you will continue to build it into our community all over the world, your church, Lord Jesus. It's a beacon of light for people to discover their purpose and meaning in life. And we pray you would build this house and all the others around the world. As we sow into it today, as we give materially, financially, as a reflection of our commitment in our heart. We love You, Lord. You know, today, just before we're finished in this service, in this format, in this moment, I want you to just be before God and think of your relationship with Him He loves you if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ you've never committed your life into God's hands I want to encourage you to do that just pray a very simple prayer or come and talk to me or someone at the end of the service we can give you a Bible and a booklet and talk more about what it is to be a Christian it's a relationship with God not just a habit or a pattern of lifestyle it's not attending church or being a good person God invites us all into a personal relationship and I want to encourage you if you want to do that for the first time or maybe you're recommitting your life back into the hands of God to say yes God thank you 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 love me I understand you you sent Jesus to die on the cross for me and he's got a plan for your life it's the best decision you can possibly make to say Jesus I want to follow you all the days of my life I encourage you again to pray a prayer like that thank you Lord touching every life, in Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net